Hello everyone and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labour and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host Raymond Lowe from Schoen Delamore & Co. Along with bringing you updates on critical events happening around the world, we are also fortunate to have the chance to touch base with our local ELA lawyers that practice on the ground in these countries. Our local ELA lawyers are always providing legal support to help their local clients navigate through these challenging times. On the program, we span the globe and have received updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. Today, we have an update from Taiwan on the topic of cost-cutting measures in the workplace during the COVID pandemic. I'm pleased to have Elizabeth Pai as our guest today. Elizabeth is a senior of counsel at Lee Sign and Partners in Taiwan. She was admitted to the Taiwan Bar in 1996, received a legal education at the National Taiwan University and a master's in law at the University of Pennsylvania. Elizabeth is also an employment rank lawyer in Chambers and Partners. Hi, Elizabeth. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. I concentrate my practice on employment law and infrastructure and government procurement projects. We have advised the multinational clients on LNG storage tanks receiving terminal engineering procurement, construction, and commissioning work projects. LNG receiving terminal, port, construction, and reclamation projects, and certain transportation projects such as Taipei Circular Line, Phase 1 and Phase 2, ENN, Track Work and Automated Fare Collection System Projects, Sanying Line, Rapid Transit System Turnkey Project of New Taipei City, Wanda, Zhonghe, Shuling, Phase 1 Project, Taiwan Taoyuan International Airport Access MRT System Project, Taoyuan City MRT, Green Line Project and Taichung MRT Project. For the employment law related services, we have advised the multinational clients in the international retail business, power plants, global forwarding business, airline, human resource business, pharmaceutical business, and banking, futures insurance business and the clients who are international online financial news provider, international beverage group, and international e-commerce group. Thank you, Elizabeth, for that very comprehensive elaboration of your legal practice as well as your firm's area of practice. Now, Elizabeth, I want to briefly ask you about COVID. Taiwan has been highly praised internationally for its success in containing the spread of virus at the early stages of the pandemic. Well, I understand from the stats that there was a wave in May. And my question to you is this, what is the current situation on the ground in Taiwan? And what is the government's approach? Okay, let me summarize the current COVID-19 situation in Taiwan. As of October 20, Taiwan has about 16,000 confirmed cases and about 840 deaths. As of October 19, the vaccination rate is 64%. According to the guideline issued by the Central Epidemic Command Center and the Q&A issued by the Ministry of Labor, in general, unless agreed by employees, 
an employer should not mandate employees to be vaccinated or tested, nor should the employer request the employees not to provide services due to their refusing to be vaccinated or tested. As for the government approach, it remains our goal to do our best to achieve zero COVID. However, we will also accommodate ourselves to living with COVID. Great. Now, the pandemic has affected all sectors of the economy. And so budget cuts seems to be the norm during the COVID era in the employment sector. Now, my question to you is this. How are businesses and employers operating in Taiwan dealing with reduced budget due to the pandemic? The COVID-19 pandemic, starting from early 2020 in Taiwan, has caused substantial reduction of companies' revenue. To deal with the reduced budget due to the pandemic, more and more employers are considering implementing cost-cutting measures. Under the Taiwan legal system, measures that may reduce the employment-related costs and expenses legitimately include implementing reduced working hours and salary temporarily based on employees' consent, implementing wages reduction temporarily based on employees' consent, encouraging the employees to take annual leave, encouraging the employee to retire earlier, and redundancy, layoff employees due to operating losses or business contractions as a result of COVID-19. All of those measures are common in practice. Okay, for the reduced working hour and the salary arrangement, based on the consent of the employee, if the employer's business operations have been affected by COVID-19, it may approach the employees to procure their consent to take a certain amount of unpaid leave for a specific period in the future, say three months, during which their salary will be proportionately reduced according to points for attention for reducing working hours by negotiation of employer and employee due to influence of business climate. Even when the working hour and salary are reduced based on the mutual consent of employer and employee, the monthly wages paid by the employer to a full-time employee whose salary is paid on a monthly basis should not be lower than the basic wages per month announced by the Labor Competent Authority which is 24,000 new Taiwan dollars per month effective from January 1st of this year and will be 25,250 new Taiwan dollars per month starting from January 1st of the coming year. And the employer is advised to expressly record the agreement reached by the parties in writing to avoid potential disputes. The Labor Competent Authority has also suggested that employers enter into such agreements with employees in writing and report the special arrangement attaching the written agreement to the local Labor Competent Authorities. For the wage reduction arrangement, under Taiwan law, the employer may approach the employees to procure their consent to a wage reduction. The variation of employment contract will be binding on the employee as long as 
the employee's consent is given freely and the special arrangement so agreed does not violate the minimum standard protection provided to the employee under the Labor Standards Act. For example, the reduced wage is not lower than the basic wage per month announced by the Labor Competent Authority. Besides, the parties are advised to expressly record any agreements on reduced wages in writing to avoid a potential dispute, even though it is not required by law. Now, Elizabeth, one of the measures that you propose is annual leave. Could you explain more about how employers in Taiwan could encourage employees to utilize their annual leave? In practice, some employers are for encouraging the employees to take annual leave, which is leave with full pay under the Labor Standards Act. During the period where the employer's business is adversely affected by the pandemic, according to the Labor Standards Act, employees are entitled to certain days of annual leave with full pay after they have continuously worked for the employer for six months or more. As the employer should pay wages to the employee for any annual leave that remain untaken by the end of the year, encouraging the employees to use their annual leave while the employer does not need so much workforce would help reduce the employer's financial burden. In a scenario where the employee is on reduced working hours and corresponding reduction of wages due to overall economic environment. According to the opinion of the Minister of Labor, wages paid for untaken annual leave should be based on the wages paid for regular hour of work in the most recent full month prior to the implementation of the reduced working hours. Now, further to your answer, could I ask you to explain more about how employers in Taiwan could legitimately require employees to consider early retirement as a means to reduce costs? If the company does not need so much manpower, some companies may opt for encouraging the employees who have not attained the age of 65 to retire earlier. According to the Taiwan law, in general, only when the employee has attained the age of 65 may the company request the employee to retire. Before the age of 65, although the company has no basis to request the employee to retire, the employee has the right to retire voluntarily if he is 55 years old and has worked for the company for 15 years or he has worked for the company for 25 years, or he is 60 years old and has worked for the company for 10 years. The company may opt for paying the employee who have attained the condition of voluntary retirement, but have not attained the age of 65, a bit more money than the statutory retirement package the employee will be entitled to, to encourage the employee to retire so as to reduce the financial burden going forward. Please note that during the communication process of encouraging the employee to retire earlier, to avoid inviting a necessary complication and dispute, the company 
should be aware not to have the employee concern feel that the company is forcing him to leave the company. The company is advised to remind the employee concern of the confidentiality obligation as committed under the employment agreement. Assuming that there is a post-termination non-compete arrangement, the company is advised to remind the employee concerned of such obligation and should pay the non-compete compensation to the employee as agreed. If the employer's business suffer operating losses or business contractions as a result of COVID-19, in general, the employer, the company may unilaterally terminate the employment agreement with the employee by prior notice according to Article 11 of the Labor Standards Act. Please note that some employees are subject to special protection. For example, other statutory conditions must be met before the employer may lay off employees who are on maternity leave and employees who suffer an occupational accident and is on medical leaves. If the employer would like to unilaterally terminate the employment due to its business suffering operating losses or business contractions, it should follow below procedures. First, give notice to the employees concerned or paying wages in lieu of notice. The statutory notice period range from 10 days to 30 days, depending on the seniority of the employee involved. Second, submit a layoff report to the competent authorities 10 days before the effective date of termination. Third, upon termination, the employer should pay accrued wages, any overtime pay due, and unused annual leave. Lastly, paying severance within 30 days after termination. The amount of statutory severance will depend on the seniority and average wages as defined under the Labor Standards Act of the employees. Whether the employee involved are subject to the pension scheme under the Labor Standards Act or that under the Labor Pension Act. And for employees who are subject to the Labor Pension Scheme, Labor Pension Act pension scheme, whether they have a seniority calculated under the Labor Standards Act. The company shall pay the severance pay within 30 days after termination. The severance calculation standards are for an employee's seniority calculated under the Labor Standards Act. One month's average wages for each full year of service and the amount should be prorated for partial year of service. With service of less than one month deemed as one month of service, and for an employee's seniority calculated under the Labor Pension Act, half a month average wage for each full year of service with the amount prorated for a partial year of service. The maximum amount of severance calculated under the Labor Pension Act should be kept at six months average wages. The one month's average wages refer to the amount of wages paid in a six-month period previous to the termination, divided by six. And the wages here refer to all compensation received by employee for labor provided, including salary, bonuses, stipends, and any other amount regularly paid 
under whatever name, whether calculated by hour, day, month, or task, in cash or in actual goods. According to the circular issued by the Ministry of Labor, wages that the employee received during the days he or she took quarantine leave or quarantine care leave and the days an employee took for the said leaves should not be considered in calculating the employee's one-month average wages. Wages that employee received during the period where the wages or both the working hour and the wages are reduced based on the mutual consent of employer and employee should not be included in the determination of average wages. Okay, for the employee who have attained the requirement of retirement, if an employee has met the requirement of retirement under the Labor Standards Act, in general, the employers should terminate the employment agreement through retirement instead of layoff. Now, finally, mandatory retrenchment and redundancies. Could you elaborate more and tell us about the pros and cons? What are the risk factors that employers could consider and should do? If a redundancy is deemed as a mass redundancy in the act for worker protection of mass redundancy, the employer should otherwise observe the special procedure under the Act for Worker Protection of Mass Redundancy. For example, notifying the competent authorities at least 60 days prior to the planned mass redundancy. As to what are the legal consequences if the employer fails to pay the required severance pay in a redundancy, Employers who fail to pay severance payment according to the law have no criminal responsibility. However, the employer, the company itself, and the individual of the company in charge of this matter, such as the chairman of the board of directors, the chief executive officer, and the HR head will be subject to administrative penalty. For each violation, the local competent authority may consider the number of employees that the violation involves, violation of the employment law requirement, the number of violations accumulated to be paid according to the law when determining the amount of the administrative penalty. Besides, the competent authority should publicly announce the name of the company the person in charge, the date of the company is punished by the Labor Competent Authority, which provision under the law the company violated, and the amount of the administrative penalty. The Competent Authority will also order the company to make the payment of the severance pay or pension within a given period of time. The company and the individual of the company in charge of this matter will be fined consecutively for failure to make the payment within the specific deadline. In case of mass redundancy as defined under the Act for Worker Protection of Mass Redundancy, where the amount of the companies delaying the payment of pension, severance pay, or wages to employees where the amount attained the threshold specified under the law, the Ministry of Labor may request by an official notice 
the authority in charge of border control to prohibit the representative or the de facto responsible person of the company from traveling abroad. If the company fails to make the payment within a timely order by the competent authority. Well, Elizabeth, that has been a very comprehensive answer to the question. It has been uh, my pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for your time to share your insights with our listeners. Thank you. If you'd like to connect with Elizabeth, please click on her biography in the description of this podcast. Also visit the ELA website at ela.law where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers, and on-demand content from our online library, or assess ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You have been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Raymond Lowe. Thanks for listening.